Well, we've been off for a couple of weeks, and it's good to be back. But what we're going to do in this week's discussion is both radical in terms of its approach, but also really relevant. So we're coming to the end of Genesis, the weekly portion that Jewish people around the world read every Saturday, every Shabbos. And we're coming up to Exodus, the story of the um, enslavement of the Jewish people, the crucible where the Jewish people became a nation. But before we get there, we have the last parsha of Genesis. Vayechi. And this is the story of the death of Yaakov. He blesses his sons before he goes off to the next world. And it's interesting how he blesses each son with a unique mission, a unique task, the appreciation of diversity. Our topic is going to be on a radical difference between the Egyptian worldview and the Jewish worldview. The Egyptian worldview, which was the paradigm of the Bronze Age society, how man identified himself in his world, and how Judaism, the Hebrews, how they radically changed this approach. And we see the first indicators of it in this week's parasha, and it becomes to its full blossom next week, when the Jewish people are in Egypt itself as slaves. So let's take ourselves up to speed. What's exactly happening? Yaakov is finishing off his life. He's blessed his children, and he dies. And what Yosef does with him as the leader or the vizier of Egypt, he embalms his father. But the fact that this happens is actually quite strange. And what Rob Hirsch does is it says, well, when we see something strange happening that contrasts cultures, there's something to be learned here. The Jewish way is never to embalm the body. We bury the body. But what is given over by this seemingly mundane or seemingly insignificant detail of, okay, what do you do when people are dead? Well, this very much brings us on to our first point. The way the... Um, ancient man looked at himself in the cosmos. There was a certain continuity, a radical connectedness between him and the world he was in. The natural world, culture, and the gods were all intimately connected. There wasn't so much a, um, a, a difference in kind. Gods weren't different than man. They were just more powerful. It was a difference in power. Hence, it wasn't such a chiddish. It wasn't novel that the pharaoh was god. Or that the Nile was some sort of deity. Everything was intimately linked. We were very much embedded in the earth. And this had a ramification on their culture, on their philosophy of life, or death in this case. They were embalmed. They would keep the heart, the seat of the personality. The body would go and they would take the book of the dead through the trials and tribulations of the next world. And the soul would go off, but only if it was very lucky would it return to the body. But the point being, the body was the seat of the personality. That had to be held on to. That had to be preserved. It was the physical body where all it mattered. And that isn't the Jewish way. The biblical perspective of death is that death is just a stage. The body goes to the ground. The body decomposes. As we know with our forefathers, they buried their wives. Yes, the body is absolutely essential to everything that we mean by human. But once the human being has died and their soul, let's call it, has left their body... The Jewish approach to the body is that the body just needs to be buried as soon as possible. Why? What happens when it's in the ground? Well, it decomposes and becomes part of the rest of the matter of the universe. But the soul, the individual that we cherish, the individual that we feel somehow transcends the human experience, that split between this world, the world of nature, and a world of something beyond, some form of transcendence, is an idea that Judaism or that the Bible has introduced to the world at this stage. 
the spiritual aspect of our existence where you as an individual really matter. That idea was new, and that idea is being given over symbolically by burial of how we approach our dead. So our first point, the first radical shift that has happened in this, the height of the Bronze Age movement of the Egyptians, is this shift from how we look at the world. Is the world or nature simply an all-embedded aspect that we are part of nature? Nature is part of culture, and culture is part of the gods. And everything is so interwoven that even when we die, we hold on to the body. Or this transcendent view of there is more to us. The real you eventually leaves the body and the body goes to the ground. Yes, during life, it is essential to what it means to be human, but when a person dies, their true self, or their truest part of who they are, is gathered in something that goes beyond the body. Just that way of looking at the world is so radically different. But let us move on to our next one, which is even a further stage down this very same road. This idea of transcendence, and this idea of there being more to life than just the mere physical, was a movement that happened not only in the Jewish world, but also happened in the Greek world later on. But this next point is once again uniquely Jewish. Next week's parasha, we have the Exodus, and Moses goes to God, and he's put on this mission from God. And he looks at God and says, what should I call you? And the answer God says is, my name is Ehyeh Asher Ehyeh. Well, what does that mean? It's a name? Not a name. It's a way of identifying what we mean by God. When we talk about God in Judaism, it's not a person. It's a, a concept. It's a, an idea, a being akin to a personality. And in the Bible, it describes what we mean by God. Not so much who he is or a name to identify him, but a name in which to identify what we mean by God. And Ehyeh Asher Ehyeh means I will be that which I shall be. We identify what we mean by God by the future tense in an active way. He changes, he does, he molds, he forms. History becomes a journey, becomes a narrative. I am the one who moves in the world, I am the one who takes a part in the world, and I am the one who asks you to become partner and go on that world journey with me. That was very different. The idea of a prime mover once again became prominent in ancient Greece. Something beyond ourselves that is the cause of the universe, but that it took a hand in the universe? That it took an interest in the universe? No, they were interested in mere deism, but the idea of a theistic God that takes a personal interest in humanity, that looks at the world as being a journey, was a radical break from the paganistic, cyclical view of nature and time. In the pagan world, time or history was looked at no different than the seasons or day, night, the same way night follows day, history follows history. The time that we go through is cyclical. The time that we go through will come again. Everything happened will happen again. There is no break. There is no freedom. There is no creation from nothing. The eternity of the universe that came before us, there was no creator that decided that now is time to make a difference, that decided that now he will create a universe. The universe was a natural fact, eternally existing and existing for eternity. The Jewish worldview at this stage was introducing that there is a God that takes a hand in history. That too was so radically different. That too was a shift in perspective. The idea of progress, the idea of moral progress, something that we take as such a given in our society today, wasn't a given 3,000 years ago. There was no progress. There was no moral progress. That was just the way the world was and the way the world will always be. 
You were born in a certain place, you would die in a certain place, and your children would follow suit. The God of the Bible introduces himself as Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh. I will be that which I shall be. So our two points. One, the break from the embeddedness of nature. Part two, the idea that nature is not just one event following another one without any choice and without any purpose. No, there is a purpose to life. There is a purpose to existence. There is a purpose to history. Book ends in history. And we are part of that journey. To end off with a contemporary perspective on this discussion is that this idea of this split between what it means to be grounded in the physical and the idea of some sort of transcendence is very relevant to how we view human beings, how we have the discussion of human rights and human value. Now, the idea that was back in pagan times about how there being no fundamental difference in kind between who we were as human beings and the rest of nature this connectivity we spoke about at the very beginning, there is a danger that this distinction can get withered away to where it's not so easy to pinpoint the distinction. What I mean is contemporary movements that are often based off moral premises take environmentalism or veganism. The idea of the care for the environment and our responsibility as human beings to be custodians to the world that we're in, and to constantly work on improving the conditions and the way we treat animals. Both these perspectives are laudable and grounded in a genuine morality. But like all movements, they have a danger of going too far in one direction. This applies across the spectrum, be it religious or be it secular. Every ideology, every religious system, every worldview has the danger of going too far. But the examples that we're putting on the table now is this hearkening back to this ancient pagan way of looking at the world, this deep connectiveness on the environmentalist front, that which started of care for the environment, in some circles has taken a dark route to look at humanity as some sort of cancer, to look at humanity as being a, a disease on the world that needs to be gotten rid of, almost embarrassed to be human. No, that is taking your ideology way too far. We live on this world, and yes, we have a responsibility, but we still come first. That is the point of what it means to be human, is that you think humans have a right to exist. The minute you feel that humans maybe shouldn't exist, well, then you've sort of lost the plot of what started you off in the first place. And on the animal welfare front, they call to task how animals are treated in slaughterhouses. They call to task based off our status as human beings, our developed morality, our ability to empathize, intelligence, all these things that give us a responsibility. That's all well and good, and something we can all learn from. And as I said, laudable, but you've lost the plot when you use language like, I don't eat other animals. What do you mean you don't eat other animals? That is taking the approach that humanity is nothing but an animal. In which case, the very thing that started you on this journey, the uniqueness of humanity, the very thing that started you along this path of responsibility, is starting to go away. You're identifying yourself as just an animal. This is a hearkening back to that ancient pagan worldview of that intimate connectiveness with the world. You are just a product of a blind world. So two contemporary examples, how we can learn a lot from, but how they can both be taken too far. So, embalming versus burial. 
embalming, the holding on to the physical body as being the source and the only left remains of the individual that is the entirety of the personality. Everything that we call that person is here within this body and we need to hold on to it. Burial, the recognition that the true self transcends. And the body, that goes to the ground. And the introduction to a narrative form of history, that history is a story, that history is a journey by the name that we use to identify what we mean or the purpose of what we mean by God. The future tense. Eh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful Shabbos.